Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
To the best soldiers in the world.
אבותינו, אבותינו הקדושים, הקדושים. הוא יברך חיילי ישראל, את חיילי ישראל. משפרה אבותינו, אבותינו הקדושים, הקדושים.
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, boy. Aryeh Kunstler with Vali Yerushalayim. Before that, Yaakov Shweki, that incredible Misha Berich selection from the Live in Israel CD in honor of and a prayer for the soldiers of the state of Israel. Benny Friedman's La Sok. You heard Achim Banefesh done by Avramel. That's uh, by request on our app, the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, which you can access and utilize the comment and be in touch with us, et cetera, et cetera. Like Yitzhak in San Antonio, Texas. Wow. You think he's spreading the word in San Antonio about the Nahum Siegel Network? I certainly hope so. Uh, Navar, Simcha Liner. That's the brand new video he released on Friday. Good song off of Marakade and Regesh and Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a JM in the AM Wednesday for this February the 14th, day 29 in the month of Shvat, the year 5778, Tav Ches. Yom Kippur Katan, it's Erev Rosh Chodesh Adar, Rosh Chodesh Adar Thursday and Friday. We'll start saying Yalavievo tonight, 35 degrees outside with 83% humidity, winds of southwest at 5 miles an hour. Partly cloudy, a high of 52. Then tonight, showers, a low 46. Tomorrow, cloudy skies, high temperature, 62 degrees. We're at 54 in Yerushalayim, 35 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Uh, plenty going on today. Rabbi Ganak's going to join us. I uh, sent that out on Facebook last night. The brand new, uh, the brand new uh, Megillas Esther of the Rav. Uh, Rabbi Ganak joins us at about seven thirty-five this morning to discuss it. Um, our friends from the Center of Anxiety—they're going to be in touch as well later on in the eight o'clock hour this morning. And of course, a full day as you would expect all through Wednesday. You should be keeping it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uncle Maishi is out with a brand new volume number nineteen. At JM in the AM. Shoulders, 
And I'm so happy it's another beautiful day. I'm looking forward to doing Hashem's wonderful mitzvah. And every morning I do exercise. Stretch up, stretch down, stretch all around.
לפעמים קשה, צריך נחמה, מתפשט הפחד, ממלא את הנשמה, לא קל להתמודד, ונראה שאין מוצר, מחפש כתף לתמיכה.
Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Dan Reichel, Mi Mama Kim, that amazing classic. Uh, it, was, it was really something, speaking with him on the air yesterday, I uh, I didn't even get to. <laughs> Mayor Weingarten had reminded me in advance that uh, he has a relationship, meaning Idan Reichel has a relationship with Yishai Rebo, um, and they've actually done duets together, and of course I completely <laughs> never even got to it, so hopefully he'll join us again. But he'll be at the Beacon Theater a week from tonight. By the way, during the interview... Uh, I had mentioned to him that I saw the marquee at the Beacon Theater on, was it Monday night? When was I on the Upper West Side? Yeah, Monday night. And um, how cool it was, but I, and he wanted a picture of it, and I said, yeah, I want to take a picture too, and then, you know, the light changed, and I had to drive. But um, our good friend Glenn Richter, Glenn, God bless you, our good friend Glenn Richter on the Upper West Side went yesterday, took photos of Idan Reichel on the marquee at the, the Beacon Theater and uh, sent it to me. We forwarded it to him. And uh, that was really cool. So listener response is always appreciated, but that listener response was really cool and very, very much appreciated. Uh, before the um, Idan Reichel selection, where are we here? Um, where is my playlist? Uh, you heard Mordechai Shapiro's Hayom. Am Yisrael Chai was done by Eitan Freilach, Yehuda Green, and Hashivenu. And Uncle Maishi opened up the set from volume number 19, brand new. 
with Good Morning. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And I thank you all for tuning in. Well, many of you are aware of the uh, recommendations, not indictment, but recommendations handed down yesterday uh, by the police in the investigation of Prime Minister Netanyahu in the uh, in the cigar scandal and in the newspaper scandal, they recommended indictment, or at least that's I'm summing it up like that. I don't know if I'm if it's exactly the right term. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens now. The prime minister, of course, responded. His friends and enemies are taking to the uh, front lines of this battle in the media. Although with the Israeli media, I don't know if it's a fair battle, but whatever. And we'll see what happens. We'll discuss it more, obviously, as we get closer and closer. And Malcolm Holmline is scheduled to join us from Jerusalem this Friday. So hopefully we'll uh, have some insight from him about the latest that's happening in Israel. Uh, Rabbi Ganak is coming up. We'll talk about the Rav's Megillas Esther, Masora Tarav. Dr. Rose Marin of the Center for Anxiety is going to join us coming up. On Bite Size with Yoni Pollock, Joanna Shepson speaks with Dotan Tamir founder and CEO at Israel's Big Idea Tech Campus. Uh, Big Idea Tech Camps. The Big Idea Tech Camps. Dodan Tamir with Joanna Shepson during Bite Size between 9 and 11 Eastern Time coming up after JM and the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio News is next at JM and the AM. גלי צה"ל השעה שתיים, כנהוד גרף עם מה שקורה עכשיו. שר החוץ האמריקני רקס טילרסון מגלה, תוכנית השלום של טראמפ נמצאת בשלב מתקדם. כתבתנו שירה נאות. ארה״ב מתקדמת בחודשים האחרונים בתוכנית השלום למזרח התיכון, אמר טילרסון במהלך ביקור בירדן, שם גם אמר, על כוחות איראנים לצאת מסוריה, וושינגטון מודאגת מהעימותים האחרונים בין איראן וישראל בחזית הזו. בתגובה לדברים האלה אמר בכיר באיראן, סוריה ביקשה מאיראן לנכוח בשטחה, האמריקנים הם אלו שצריכים ראשי הקואליציה מגבים את ראש הממשלה על רקע ההמלצות להעמידו לדין ואומרים בוועידת מרכז השלטון המקומי כי אין בכוונתם לפרוש מהממשלה. הנה שר הביטחון ליברמן והשר לביטחון פנים גלעד ארדן. ראש הממשלה כל עוד הוא לא הורשע בבית משפט הוא יכול להמשיך. חזקת החפות שמורה לכל אדם אפילו לראש הממשלה. אני מציע להפסיק עם כל הלחצים ועם כל המתקפות. ויחד עם זאת, אני גם מגבה את ראש הממשלה, כי עמדת המשטרה היא לא העמדה הקובעת לפי החוק. מנגד, השר נפתלי בנט תקף את התנהלותו הערכית של נתניהו. ראש ממשלה לא צריך להיות מושלם, והוא לא צריך לחיות בסגפנות. אבל הוא כן צריך להיות מישהו שאומרים עליו, ככה צריך לנהוג. לצערי, קבלת מתנות בהיקף כה רחב לאורך כל כך הרבה זמן איננה עומדת בציפייה זו של אזרחי ישראל. יושב ראש האופוזיציה יצחק בוז'י הרצוג, שעזב את הוועידה בעקבות דבריו החריפים של נתניהו על המשטרה, שוחח עם יעל דן. לא, מה שעצבן אותי זה העובדה שבאולם מלא של השלטון המקומי, שהשלטון המקומי הוא ספון על... 
דלתה של ממשלת ישראל בכל המובנים. עומד ראש ממשלת ישראל שהוא בעצם מוביל את השלטון הציבורי כולו, את השירות הציבורי, ותוקף זרוע אחרת של השלטון, שהיא הזרוע שבלעדיה אי אפשר לקיים מדינה תקינה. שלושה חשודים נעצרו בכניסה לבית המשפט הצבאי בשומרון כשעליהם מטעני צינור. כתבנו צחי דבוש. לוחמי משמר הגבול עצרו שלושה פלסטינים חשודים בסמוך לכניסה לבית הדין הצבאי שומרון. לאחר בדיקה התגלו עליהם מספר מטעני צינור. הכניסה לבית הדין נחסמה וחבלן הוזעק למקום. זה הניסיון השלישי מאז תחילת החודש לבצע פיגוע בבית הדין הצבאי שומרון. בשעה זו מובאים למנוחות סמל בר יעקוביאן וסמל אשטו טספו שנהרגו בתאונת הדרכים הקטלנית הלילה בכביש 6. שי אלבז, מחנכו של בר, ספד לו. כל כך התרגשתי והתגאיתי שהתקבלת לסיירת גולני. זרחת שם. כשהגעת לבקר שנה שעברה בבית הספר, זה כבר היה מישהו גבוה, תמיר, חזק, חסון וצנוע. היית מושא לשיחה וגאווה גם אצלי בבית. כשדיברתי לא פעם עליך, מודה למצוינות ולחיקוי. אני לא מאמין שנגזר עלינו להיפרד ממך. מדבריו הביא כתבנו קובי מנדל. מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורכת כרמל דנגור.
Marcus, David Melech Yisrael, Diaspora before that with their version of David Melech Yisrael. JMNAM Wednesday on this era verse Chodesh Adar. We'll start saying Yalaviyavo tonight. Um, we are, let's see the official statistic here so I get this right. We are 63 days away from Israel's 70, the 70th birthday of the state of Israel, 63 days from now, we'll be there that week in Israel celebrating and uh, participating in programming that's going to relive some of the great moments of 70 years earlier. So we are very much looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, yet another special event for us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We're 63 days away. The uh, anticipation is building, and I hope you'll be on the other end tuning in, listening and watching 
uh, what we're doing in Israel during that very, very special week. So week of April 15th, the 19th of April is the official Yom Ha'atzmaut celebration. And again, I hope you'll be able to join us. Um, if you're not in Israel, hope you'll be able to join us uh, by listening in and by watching all the great things that we'll be doing, please God. 13 minutes after 7 o'clock, it is a JM in the AM Wednesday. Good morning all, 35 degrees, partly cloudy, and a high of 52 here in New York. 54 in Yerushalayim, how do you like that? Uh, don't forget the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Um, and make sure to be tuned in uh, to our network, and at the same time, make sure to comment on our app and let us know where you are, what you want to hear. Any other comments you may have, questions, etc., we try to answer them. Speaking of Yala Viavo, here's Tzvi Silberstein. Zachinu Hashem Elkeinu, boy boy Yeah, 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 yeah
In the AM, Nigun Stiebel, done by Sandy Shmueli on the recently released uh, Ani Shar. What a great album it is. So many wonderful songs. Uh, that's Sandy here at the JM in the AM. Before that, shall shell us with Bahu Lee. You heard Dollar Bill, done by Nochi Krohn from the Yes Legacy, the great Moshe Yes, one of his very interesting songs. Yale was done by Tzvi Silberstein. We start saying Yala Viavo tonight. Uh, tonight begins uh, a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Adar will be Thursday. Oh, tomorrow! Mishanichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. Oh my gosh, I better dig out some of our other material at some point uh, later today. Just realized that. Wow. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Got to dig out some of that other material. Wow. Partly cloudy with a high of 52. We're at 35 right now. Good morning, all. It's JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words. Zechenishmas Harav Zeb and Yosef Alevi, whose yard site happens to be in Adar. And Zechenishmas Esther Basra Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. And we'll try it again. All right. Here is, sorry about that. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Good morning. Rabbi Lozer once fell ill. Rabbi Yochanan went to visit him. He noticed that he was lying in a dark room. He was a poor man. He lived in a room without windows. Rabbi Yochanan then bared his arm and light radiated from it. He noticed that Rabbi Lozer was weeping. So he said to him, Why are you crying? Is it because you didn't study enough? Surely we learn that one who sacrifices a lot and the one who sacrifices a little have the same merit provided as long as the heart is directed towards Shemayim. Is it perhaps because of the lack of parnasa, livelihood? Not everybody has the privilege of learning and wealth at the same time. Is it perhaps because of the lack of children? This is the bone of my tenth son that was buried. Rebeloso replied, No, I'm crying because of your beauty that is going to rot in the earth. Rabbi Yochanan said, On that account, you surely have a reason to cry. 
and they both wept together. Rabbi Yochanan then said to him, Are your sufferings welcome to you? Rabbi Lozer said, No, not the suffering and not their reward. Rabbi Yochanan then said, Give me your hand. Rabbi Lozer gave it to him. Rabbi Yochanan raised him and he cured him. The question is, if Rabbi Yochanan had such a power to extend his hand and heal a person, why did he ask all the questions? He could have just extended his hand in the first place and healed him. The answer is, if he would have asked first if he wants to get well, Rabbi Lozer might have said, no, just leave me alone and I'll die. He could have been so distressed because he felt that the Torah was far from him. He was poor and he had no children. Now, with the illness that he had and all of the pains and troubles, maybe he didn't have the power, the koyach, to go on. Maybe he just wanted to die. Because of this, Rabbi Yochanan began to take apart his troubles one by one to deal with each one separately until only the illness remained. And for that, he extended his hand to help him. Everyone has tsaras. Everyone has certain difficulties. Ein lecha adam she'ein lo yisurim. The Medrash tells us there isn't anyone that doesn't have some type of affliction. But when they're all jumbled together, and you can't tell where one begins and the other ends, that brings a person to yeush, to despair, to throwing up his hands. It is our job in this world to make it easier for people, to try and help them to understand their lives, to try and give them a better life, to understand that there is great hope for every person. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Tishmor, Tishmor,
J.M. the A.M. with Eitan Katz. That's his Anila Dodi. 
Before that, Yaakov Shweki, Mamin Benisim, Wednesday morning, Erev Rosh Chodesh at JMDM. That's right. Tonight, it's Mishanichnas Adar, Marvin Besimcha, and we certainly hope that for the uh, Jewish community worldwide, the Simcha, the joy, the gladness, the celebration only increases, especially during this upcoming month of Adar. Yaakov Shweki before that with, um, we are uh, from the... We are a miracle CD. You heard the Mamin um, Benisim. By the way, uh, I mentioned that Monday night I'll be in Los Angeles. The um, the uh, Gindi uh, Maimonides School 50th anniversary uh, concert is taking place, and I have the privilege of um, of hosting the event. Uh, it has an amazing lineup. Everybody out in L.A., if you're listening on the archives or if you're up really early this morning, everybody out in L.A., get ready. It is an amazing lineup with Simcha Liner, Baruch Levine, Avram Freed. Now, Shlomi Shabbat was supposed to be there. He has pneumonia. He's in the hospital in Israel. He has pneumonia. And he's been replaced by Yaakov Shweki. So an amazing lineup. And they they were able to fill. In an, and Chazen Helfgott, by the way, is going to be there as well. They were able to fill in an emergency situation um, the slot of their uh, of one of their massive stars with another massive star. So Yaakov Shweki is going to be doing that concert for the Gindi Maimonides Academy. We'll see you there Monday night at the Wiltern Theater. I'm told they're already up to like 1,800 seats sold, which is pretty amazing, and we look forward to that. So, L.A., here we come, and um, get ready for an amazing event on Monday night. J.M. in the A.M. on this era of Rosh Chodesh, Rabbi Menachem Ganak is with us live via telephone. He is, of course, the CEO of OU Coaster. He is the general editor of OU Press, and it seems that every time OU Press and Corin get together, uh, they produce a uh, a publication that's extremely exciting. In this case, it's Megillat Esther Misora Tarav. Uh, a Megillat Esther with the commentary based on the teachings of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik. Rabbi Menachem Ganak, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachem. Pleasure to speak with you. I think I'm right. Every single time OU Press and Corin get together for a special project, it causes great celebration. As we get into Adar and want to increase the celebration, it causes great celebration in the community, and uh, this one is wonderful. Uh, basically, the Rubs Megillas Esther. Um, you know, you and I, Rabbi Ganak, I think uh, almost every time you're on these airways and we discuss the Rub, we always discuss something about uh, what it was like being his Talmud, but we also discuss his unique view of Jewish holidays, and it's no secret, you've revealed this to us many, many times, <clears throat> that he admitted during his lifetime that his favorite Jewish holiday was Yom Kippur. I would therefore suggest, and I might surmise, <laughs> that Purim being the way it's observed, quite the opposite of Yom Kippur, he may have had a unique position when it came to this holiday. Can you give us any insight into how the Rav enjoyed or viewed the holiday of Purim? Uh, that's interesting. You know, he, he would often reference the um, the the Zohar, which is, is people are familiar with, that plays in the word Yom Kippurim, right. the Tikkunay Zohar, as reading Yom Kippurim, a day like Purim. And of course, I mean, the, the Zohar on its face seems to be initially strange because there are no two days on the <laughs> Jewish calendar that are more are more different. Polar opposites. <laughs> Polar opposites. Yom Kippur is a day of fasting and introspection, and Yom Kippur and, and Purim is a day of of feasting and frivolity. How do the two go together? And I th- uh, th- what the Rav would say, and I think this this is especially unique about the Rav in terms of his 
you know, his dialectical view of many things, namely that um, they seem to be just the opposite, but they have one thing in common um, which binds them, and that's the poor, the goro, the, the lottery, right. things that seem to be complete happenstance from behind the, the veil of history in, from Kodesh Baruch's perspective, often hidden to us, are meaningful and directed. So the, that's what the goal on Yom Kippur between the seal and between the two goats represents, that what seems to be happenstance, you know, which, which goat will end up in, that his blood will be sprinkled in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and which will be ignominiously thrown off a cliff, the cliff, the seal So it all depends just on a lottery. And Purim also, it seems the fate of the Jewish people depend on, on this lottery, that the, that, uh, the lottery of the poor of Haman. Right. But it's, it's that sense of um, vulnerability and that perspective that we bring and knowing that we're in God's hands that gives, you know, that those are the things that join it. And it's that religious perspective that we want to bring but, many things in our life. But now I'll ask you what might be a more difficult question then, uh, while I understand, you know, from a uh, from a, a from from that standpoint, I understand the comparison or the the thread that the Rav might say goes through the two holidays. But again, back to the original point, and I know we have to get to the book, and we will. But back to the original point in terms of how the day is observed and them being polar opposites. I mean, you've described to us how the Rav was elated, quote unquote, on Yom Kippur, and the Avoda was so meaningful to him, and even the fasting and the closeness which he felt one could achieve with the one above on Yom Kippur was unprecedented compared to other days of the year. So then how did he view the observance of Purim? Is there anything unique you could tell us about how he viewed, again, the frivolity, the 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 joy, the dancing, you know, I, uh, things that we don't always associate with, with his, with, right, with Brisk and his perspective of, right. of Jewish observance? Right. So, you know, I, I don't, and I think you, you're right about that. He He, he wasn't... Um, his, his, I think his Purim was probably much more subdued. Actually, the only time I was with him Purim, I wasn't with him in Purim, but I was him, with him on Shushan Purim. Right. And, and that's why there's a lot of the things that we have in the book uh, uh, relate to this, was his wife passed away, Yud Aleph Oda. Mm-hmm. So it was right before Purim. He was sitting Shiva on Purim. And he sat Shiva on Purim. And I, men, I remember when I went to Boston, to Brookline, to Menachem Ovel, I remember when I walked into the house, Rabbi Taitz was there and Rabbi Hutner was there, mm-hmm. right. and the Rav was talking, and the Rav sat Shiva on, I wasn't in Purim, but on the next day, on Shushan Purim, right. and he said that, the, you know, because the Ramor says that you don't sit Shiva on Purim, there's Stevis in Shukhanarach about whether you sit Shiva on, on Shushan Purim. Well, on, on Purim itself, we do, but we don't have guests, correct? Is that the right approach? Well, th- actually, there's a Machlaikas where they actually sit Shiva on Purim. So uh, most people, I mean, there's a, 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 a discussion of Dean about it in, in Mechaber and so on. We we don't sit we we don't sit shiv on the floor. Right, but, but an Avel would likely not walk out of their house on Purim. But there is but there is there is nicham avelim. Right. Oh, there is nicham avelim. You can right. have you can have shiva guests, so to speak, on Purim. Okay, I didn't right. Because look, we, there's even nicham avelim on on Yantif. Right. Well, it says on Cholamoid Rabbin Misaskim So, but it, it, I mean, he said, you know, if somebody would ask, you know, why are you sitting shiva? Again, there are different sources for what you do. He said, but psychologically, that he 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 feels he has to. So you know, if you know Brisk and you know the Rav, his Purim wasn't you know this kind of getting drunk and uh, right. that wasn't that wasn't it. I think they tell the story about somebody once told me that Ravelville in Yerushalayim they 
some boys from Shalim came and he was learning and they and they started dancing around him while he was learning. He just even didn't even lift his head, you know, right. to acknowledge it. So, uh, yeah, the, the poem itself and the actual observance was probably much more subdued. All right, but we know we know not to overstate the obvious, but we do know that he heard Megillah twice on Purim, and he did have a Purim Suda, and no right, doubt fulfilled right, and no doubt fulfilled Mishloch Manos and Matanos right. Levionim. I mean, no right. question about that. Yeah. Uh, so he did participate. Just you know, may, maybe not to the day. I don't know if he had any theme for his Shalach Manos, right? That, 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 that's. <laughs> I, I think I think that sort of developed after his time in general, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Rabbi Menachem Gidak is with us, general editor of OU Press. Now, you've described for us in the past, and you know we always get excited when there is a publication that has just been released uh, associated with the Rav. You've described to us in the past that this type of research is based on notes and shiurim that were, you know, specifically given and conversations that were had with the Rav by his Talmidim, et cetera, et cetera. Was that the type of system utilized to put together the Purim work? Yes. And also, we we have a work that the Rav, you know, was, was work of. A days of deliverance, which which is was an important source for this. Uh, the editors of of this particular of this volume were Rabbi Rabbi Posen, the editor of uh, OU Press, together with Rabbi Krakowski, Eli Krakowski, and actually my son Moshe Ganak. Mm-hmm. And um, I should also mention Joe Olawski was very involved. So uh, this was took us several years till, till we got to uh, you know till we got it out. But it's really a, a, a real gem. And, uh, I mean, I, I always ask you if you can give us a good example. What, what, what is a good example of the uniqueness of the Rav in terms of viewing the psukim, the passages in Megillah Esther? Is there one specific one you can give us that shows us you know, the type of insight he had into this story? Um, well, you know, just in terms of the Megillah itself, coming back to the theme that you spoke about, you know, how did he view it? Right. Um, so he pointed out, you know, the Gemara gives, gives two sources for why we read um, the Megillah, the Gemara, why we read the Megillah twice um, each day. Um, night and day, right? Not, not, right, night and day. And, uh, you know, this is the beginning of Megillah, and, and one seems to be, you know, is, is one of... Um, of um, 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 Yoma... Um, right, so that that's that Shubin Levi says this in the beginning of Megillah. So that seems to be one of crying out to Hashem, right. and the and the other is Lahagi Babok Chastecha. You know, it, it, the other one is one of of joy. This is Rav Chelbo saying. Um, um, and it's impossible to get both of those out at the same so, reading. Right, one. So rep- Right, so actually these are two contradictory verses. Right. And that represents, according to the Rav, you know, these two dimensions of the Megillah. The one part of the, of the Megillah, the Megillah is said as hallel, as praise. Right. The Ma tells us the reason we don't, one of the reasons we don't say hallel on Purim, which we do on Hanukkah, is because kriyosu zuhi hilula, the reading right. of, the, of the Megillah itself is the hallel. Right. And, but the other one is, is one of, 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 of crying out. Matter of fact, I pointed out that in the time of the Gaonim, they used to say they used to say Tachnon according to some, they used to say Slichas according to others. So there was also this underlying thing that it's this tension between these two experiences: um, one of of you know, Jews were on the verge of annihilation, and the and the tenuous, you know, fragile nature of existence. That would be the, the ni- that would be the nighttime one, I guess, right? Right. And then the, and, during the day, right. So you know, merging the two, it, that's. 
you know, as I said, the dialectic between the two, that in, inherent in the Megillah are these two opposite themes. Right. It's like the Shil Hashem and the Shil Azazel. So the, these two opposite themes co- coalesce within the reading of the Megillah, and somehow the, the religious experience has to encompass both of them. And when you think about it, there's no other Megillah that can, that can you know, carry the same double type of, uh, of theme. Because, right, as we, right, as we know, the Megillah is the only book of the Tanakh where God's name is not explicitly mentioned. Right. Interesting. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hidden from our view, but we know God's hand is moving events. Hmm. Rabbi Menachem Ganak is with us. The brand new book is uh, Megillah Esther Mesoros Harav, commentary based on the teachings of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik. Rabbi, Rabbi Ganak, of course, general editor of OU Press. This is a, a combination of OU Press and Koran publications. Now, what can we learn? You know, we all have, and most of this is obviously because of what we learned in kindergarten and elementary school, and it stayed with us all these years. Most of us have an impression of who and what type of person Achashverosh was, and who and what type of person Haman was, and who and what type of person Esther was, etc., etc. Does the Rav have a, a, an analysis of any of these characters, any of these figures that would surprise us uh, based on the conventional approach to the characters in the story of Purim? Well, I think, you know, he he has discussion of all of these people and their personalities and how they play out, you know. Like he said, Vahibi Meachashverosh, Vahibi Meachashverosh doesn't only mean chronologically to tell us, you know, that this is what during the time, because it says, who Achashverosh, this could have only happened in the lifetime of Achashverosh, and he goes on to explain the history of Achashverosh, Achashverosh himself wasn't of royal blood, he was the usurper to the throne, he had killed Balshatza, married his, his daughter, to, and he was always worried about his, his, um, his, it, it, no, his validity, you know, ah. that somebody might... So he's, he's very attentive to this, and so when, when advisors, namely Haman, tell him, you know, about Vashti, you know, maybe she... This kind of... Because uh, he was a, a brutal, cruel, and uh, um, he was a voluptuous kind of person. And, you know, he, the love has description of that kind of a personality. You know, if you read current events nowadays, and you just look at the Megillah, you the, just how these things dovetail, both in terms of different personalities, but also, but more importantly, you know, the the, the how things seem impossible and other things that work out, and sometimes even for the good, and some things are beyond what we would have anticipated. Right again, the hand, the hidden hand of God, the hidden hand of God. Uh, you know, the impression that the majority of Jews uh, around the world have of Haman. Uh, we know how evil he was, and we certainly can. Uh, a test based on the Megillah, what he suggested to Achashverosh and tried to carry out, but there's also this this impression of him as being a, a cartoonish type character. Can we can we surmise that this is probably unfair uh, to categorize him in that way or view him in that way when he was as evil as he was? Well, Haman, you know, is a descendant of Amalek, and Amalek is our, as the Torah tells us, eternal battle against Amalek. We have a piece in the, in the Megillah. The Rav said the name of his of his father, who said the name of Abchaim, his grandfather, that Amalek, um, he proved this in the Rambam, is not only people who are descendant of Amalek. It's people who, who ideologically want to eradicate and destroy the, the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They, so, for example, during World War II, the Nazis, Yimach Shemam, had a din of Amalek. Um, and it's, uh, of course, he it, it, it puts in the rank, because the, the Rambam is of the opinion that um, 
Sanchevev, according to the Gemara, that Sanchevev had come and had mixed up all the different nations. So we don't know who's a descendant of Amalek, who's a descendant of the Zion Amamin, the seven nations. And yet the Ram says that the locha of Amalek still applies. So it's not necessarily against people who are, who are, who are you know, genealogy, right. descendants of Amalek. Of course, they also have to believe in the ideology of Amalek, but also have, want to continue the program of Amalek. Interesting. Um, you know, the turning point of the Megillah, I don't know if everybody agrees with this, but I think most do. Uh, Ahasuerus has trouble sleeping, you know, asks for the diaries to be read and comes up with the uh, with the idea of, uh, of honoring Mordechai, as we know. And it's during that same period that Esther acted in a very slow manner in order to um, essentially do what you said earlier in the conversation, show the, uh, according to what the Rav writes, uh, show the, the disloyalty and the lack of... Uh, of um, of devotion that uh, Haman, you know, has toward Achashverosh. That's her strategy. Her strategy. She feels that the only way she's going to get to the king, the only way she's going to convince the king that uh, that he should take action against Haman is if she if she disproves the loyalty that she, that he thinks Haman has for him. Correct. Um, well, that's one reading of it, right? I mean, right. Esther, I mean, uh, you know, just in terms of my own comment, you know, of course. Achashverosh begins to suspect Haman when he tells Haman, "Go, you know, go what to, to reward to reward uh, to reward uh, Mordechai right. for saving the king." And what is Achashverosh before 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 says the guy he has in mind is Mordechai? Haman, of course, thinks it's going to be him, right? And he says, "You know that he should he should wear the king's the king's um, clothing and crown, clothing and his crown, uh, ride on the king's horse." And, and those are things you know. You don't ride on the king's horse. So he begins to realize that this person ah, is he wants to, he wants my position. I got it. You know, it's interesting yeah. if you look in the Rambam. The Rambam quotes in Hilchas Malachim. What is it that you know in terms of there's a special law of covered melech of giving honor and ought for the king? And he says, you know, and law from Suso and you know all these things. You don't wear his crown. You don't sit on his seat. And all these things. Where did the Rambam get those specific things? He got it from the Megillah. Um, because those are things that you know that this is this is what Haman is saying. These are things that, that is reserved for the king themselves. That so, those who want to be king want to have, right? right. So, so then that um, Achashverosh begins to get wise to Haman that this person wants to ultimately rule. And Achashverosh, as we know, this is a theme that the Rebbe speaks about. You know, as I said before, Achashverosh is very he's very worried about this because he himself was you know who who was Achashverosh. And uh, he was just he was uh, worked on the stables. He rose to to become king. He he usurps the king's uh, position, Bashatza, and so he's he, he knows this can it ha- he did it. It can happen to him. Right, so this paranoia that that stalks him and everything that he does. Uh, you have here in the book in the Megillah Sester. Uh, I am ironically we discussed this earlier. Avelus and Simchan Purim. Prohibition of malacha on Purim are these things that the Rav, you know, directly um, addressed, and again, you know, are part of the uh, Talmudim, part of the students' uh, um, uh, notes and, and recordings from him. Right. You know, I'll tell you a story that a friend of mine, Rabbi Michal Shurkin, told me. Um, one once one year, they sent Shalach Madis to the Rav, right? And uh, it, it it must have arrived, uh, you know, the night of Purim, right. and so the Rav wrote them a thank you letter sending the Shalach Man. I said it was dated Purim. So he said, you may wonder, because there's a minute not to do Malach on Purim. Right. So 
So he said, you may be wondering how I'm writing this letter on Purim. So he said, well, I'm writing this letter the night of Purim, Leil Purim. And he said, the reason Malacha is also on Purim is because since there's a mitzvah Simcha and Suda, so Malacha and Suda, go, you know, are mutually strong because just it's the same halacha that I've said by Avelis as well. Right. Malacha is also for the Avel, for the mourner, because he's supposed to be focused on his grief. Right. And Malacha is, represents Hesach Hadas. He's not focused on the grief. Right, similar and to Han. Right. And similarly, with, similarly similar to, to Simcha. So right. he said at night, Malacha would be mutter, therefore. Even though it's Purim at night, we read the Megillah. <laughs> but since there's no mitzvah, Suda and Simcha. And he said, that's why I'm writing. So I know they... They cherish this letter that they got from the book. Unbelievable. Very cool. Uh, all right, finally, I can't let you go without asking because uh, you, you know where I fall on this side of the argument in this neighborhood. Did the Rav say Krovitz on Purim, and did he say Yotzros on Shabbat Zachar? <laughs> so, so the answer is he did say Yotzros. He did? And uh, I'm not sure he said Krovitz on Purim. I was never with him. But he used to say, you know, I remember Rabbi saying, you know, but the Balabatim don't understand it. It's just very disruptive. Uh, uh. And he said, said, your job is to explain it to uh. them. I have, a, I have such a better solution than that, Rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so you give in, me- my, in, in my shul, we had, this predates my, my coming to rabbi, but they had this dispute also, which yeah. they have in every shul, yeah. whether they should say the Yotzis and Musafim. Right. So they, made, they, they came up with a, a pshara. They don't say the Yotzis, but on the days that you have for the Musaf also, as you do for Pasha Shkolem, those who do say. So Shkolem and Hachodesh, they would right. say. Right, right. That's the compromise. I have to think if I like that idea or not. I'll decide what what side of the issue I'll take on that one. Rabbi Menachem Ganak, he is the CEO of OU Kosher, general editor of OU Press, and the brand new uh, the brand new book, uh, the brand new Megillah is Megillas Esther Mesoros Harav, commentary based on the teachings of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik, OU Press, and Koran. I assume. This is available everywhere. Is it at the YU's farm sale? Yes, absolutely. I think it's one of the best sellers of the sale. I can I imagine. Should, you know, it's not just on the Megillah. It's also the entire poem. The uh, the Marav service also is also comes with a commentary from the book. Right. Yeah, a lot of stuff in here. Great essays in the back as well. As and essays in the back. Exactly. Halachic essays. Really amazing. And I, it's not a surprise that it's one of the best sellers at the YU's farm sale. And I assume anybody who searches OU Press or Koren, they will find it on there as well. On the web, Megillah Sester Masaras Harav. Uh, you always bring us uh, amazing things, Rabbi Ganak. Uh, big Yashikoach, and everyone's Purim will be enhanced. I'm sure you know this. Everyone's Purim will be enhanced by this brand new Safer, so thank you. Okay, be well. Right, Menachem Ganak. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app.
J.M. in the A.M. Misha Nichnas Adar. That's Paul Zim, of course, with that classic. <clears throat> I thank Rabbi Ganak. <clears throat> the uh, brand new Megillah Masaurus Arav is an amazing, uh, amazing brand new work. Everyone out there should make sure to get it. Why use farm sales one place? And, of course, uh, on the web, Koren OU Press. Uh, really, uh, you'll find it everywhere at this point. Uh, don't forget, you can sponsor part or all of a JM the AM broadcast. Go to fjbunity.org. If you want to sponsor in honor or in memory of somebody or for a foolish lemma for someone, etc., etc., fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you. Achiezer dinner tomorrow night. Achiezer dinner tomorrow night at the Sands. Last-minute reservations we recommend. Achiezer.org, achiezer.org. Check it out and uh, get ready for tomorrow night's big event at the Sands in Atlantic Beach. Dr. David Ross Marin is with us live via telephone. He's assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He is the founder and director of the uh, Center for Anxiety. Uh, we have pointed out that the Center for Anxiety has a, a location on West, West 57th Street in Manhattan, Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, Route 59 up in Suffern, and one up in Massachusetts as well. Dr. David Ross Marin, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. A pleasure. I hope the month of Adar helps ease some of the anxiety in our community. What do you think? Well, the only problem is that it leads into the month of Nissan, <laughs> and uh, we all know what happens then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to be a really regular guest coming up a couple of weeks from now. I can tell you that much. Our phone calls definitely go up. Uh, <laughs> well, <say> so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Everyone who thinks that that's a myth, it's actually true. Finding out it's yeah. true makes it even worse, frankly. <laughs> anyway, the Center for Anxiety is there uh, for our community. The phone number one eight 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 eight. Three seven seven four seven three. Again, that's eight 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 three seven seven four seven three. It's also a, an email address: info at centerforanxiety.org. Info at centerforanxiety.org. And before we get to today's um, uh, topic, the intensive outpatient program, we should point out that you and your staff continue to offer regular support groups for uh, for a, a variety of things, whether it's an OCD support group, uh, whether it's specific events, um, uh, which are uh, put together. 
to um, uh, to encourage positive parenting skills and techniques, etc. Cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of regular um, uh, get-togethers that are on your calendar in general. Uh, how about a word about that first? Yeah, we have a lot of things going on. Um, I'll say something which is relevant to the intensive outpatient program is that we have a DBT group, Dialectical Behavior Therapy. Yeah. We started offering it um, about six months ago, and the program has been extremely powerful. Um, DBT is um, it's a, a very, it's a very powerful program. It's typically for individuals who have more um, severe symptoms, but it's also, uh, I mean, historically, it's been for people who have more severe symptoms. But we um, really use it for a lot of people, people having relationship stress or people who are having difficulty focusing, people who are having uh, issues with a little bit of anger, um, as well as more uh, classic things like anxiety and depression. So that's been really great. So that's dialectical behavior therapy, correct? That's right. And And the skills group, which is 90 minutes a week, that a person signs up for for about six months, um, and it can be done in conjunction with individual psychotherapy or not. All right, so that's an, that, that's a, a a full course. You can't do that. You can't do that as a one time deal. Well, um, no, you would sign up for for the six month program. Right. Um, we would want people to sign up for at least one of the modules, which is a quarter of that. Right. And, um, and but it is a course, like you said. It's right. really like a class that people take, and it's very well received. And you have those available everywhere in this area, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Rockland County. They're available in all three, right? Correct. We have a groups. We have two groups in Manhattan, and one in Brooklyn, and one in Rockland County. That's a- correct. Information about the DBT skills groups. You'll find it right away at the Center for Anxiety <laughs> website, centerforanxiety.org. Again, centerforanxiety.org. All right. Um, today we're speaking about the intensive outpatient program. This is something that people may not be aware is under your umbrella. Uh, so first off, what is an intensive outpatient program? Yeah, the Intensive Operation Program, also known as an IOP, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty cool program. It serves really two functions. The first is a lot of people, well, I guess I'll start even before then. Um, there's an impression that many people have uh, that therapy is a long, drawn-out process involving purging the, the demons of the past and going into one's history, speaking about their parents. And first of all, with my clinic, that's just not the case. And for some people, I guess, if they want to, after a course of, you know, evidence-based short-term treatment, but it's, it's a shorter-term process with us. The IOP, though, uh, takes that and, um, and, and squares it or even cubes it because we're able to get, in many cases, results in a week or two of intensive treatment. And what that means is people coming either on a daily basis, sometimes we can get away with three or four times a week for a week or two, and have an intensive immersion in skills-based psychotherapy with some pretty dramatic results. Unbelievable. And normally a, a course like that could take a lot longer than 10 days. Well, if you just add up the number of hours, I mean, yeah. if people are coming three hours a day for a week, you know, that would be 15 hours, 12 to 15 hours. Yeah, but again, um, the impression is, at least I think so, that it's not just you know, the intensity hours-wise, but it does need to be drawn out over a period of weeks or months. Correct, and that's not true. Our data is pretty uh, compelling on the IOP program. We just were crunching the numbers last week. As you know, we're a research clinic as well, and we're always evaluating our patients and seeing how they're doing and faring. And um, all of our IOP patients, we've had about 25 in the last year, and all of them had a very significant drop in uh, in symptoms. Um, and some of them, the magnitude was really quite astounding, despite, despite the short length of treatment. Mm. The IOP, the Intensive Outpatient Program, is ideal for who? What type of patients with what symptoms or what situations would most benefit from it? 
is a great question. So like I was trying, I, like I was saying before, there are really two categories. The first are people who just want to get uh, treatment done relatively quickly. And for those people, firstly, not, not everybody would be eligible for that. But um, people who have, uh, it could be obsessive compulsive disorder. That's ideally somebody who's never been treated. Right. Um, but somebody who has uh, obsessive compulsive disorder could come in. Someone who has panic disorder that responds very well to the IOP format. Social anxiety disorder, people who are very nervous in social situations and apprehensive about how other people think about them, they could respond well to it. Um, someone with general anxiety is usually less suitable candidate. Sometimes we would do an IOP, uh, like a shorter abbreviated IOP, and then have them continue in longer-term treatment after that. So GAD is less responsive. Depression is less responsive um, for shorter-term treatment. But um, a specific phobia, get this, you're going to love this. If someone comes in with a specific phobia, that's a specific, highly specific fear of, say, animals, uh, dogs, cats, uh, spiders, mice, uh, I don't know, snakes. Snakes are very common. Um, they have a fear of flying, fear of elevators. I don't know if you believe this. We can get them in and out of treatment in one day. Hypnosis? No, no hypnosis. Exposure therapy. We help them to face their fear in a graduated way. You would take you would take someone with fear of driving immediately into a car on the highway. Well, we might it might take an hour or two, but pretty much immediately. They do have to be willing to face their fear, but we coach them through it, and we help them, and we make it graduated. I'm not, I'm not afraid of driving, and it sounds scary <laughs> to do it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been over the Verrazano Narrows Bridge many, many times with uh, people while they're having panic attacks, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I love my work. <laughs> Can only imagine. Dr. David Rossmeyer is with us, centerforanxiety.org. Uh, you would in this type forget forget for a moment the the, the two hour you know fear uh, program, but the general IOP you would not right. you would not see someone younger than and you not you would not see someone older than what ages. It's a good question. We have had patients in the IOP as young as I think we have a six or a seven year old right now. They're not in intimidated by it. No, we they they do really well. In fact, they're they sometimes do better than adults because they just need the guidance and then they'll actually listen. Gosh. An adult comes in with all sorts of preconceived notions, yeah, but true. you know the kids just like well, tell me what to do and I'll get out of it. And older, I mean, you would older than it depends on the individual. Really, I wouldn't say that there's an age cap. I right. don't think we've seen anybody older than about sixty-five. But in theory, you could. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess why not. Um, yeah, I was going to tell you the second category of people who it's good for. Yeah, we've and this has been really interesting. We've used the IOP format to service individuals who have severe and complex symptoms, who potentially could even be in a hospital. Now, if somebody's acutely suicidal or going to hurt themselves or someone else or something like that, then of course you know they would need a hospital setting. But just under that, if a person can commit to safety, and even if they're you know, God forbid, harming themselves or um, really grappling with, you know, should I be alive or something more serious or very uh, severe panic attacks or depression that they can't um, go to work or they can't function day to day. Our IOP has been very effective for those um, severe, if you will, crisis cases as well. I don't, now, I don't see how that group differs in the first group. Um, well, the first group are higher functioning people who just need a course of psychotherapy and don't have the time to do it 
um, on, on terms of weeks. and, and Right, Asen- Asen- essentially quickly. treating the symptoms, right. Correct. The right. second group, I wouldn't say that we would, if you will, cure them. Right. But what we do is we prevent them from going into the hospital in many cases. We can um, get them to be a place that they're functioning, that they can then actually go on to a course of outpatient psychotherapy and 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 get their life together subsequently. Is the IOP program available at the uh, at all the uh, locations Manhattan, Brooklyn, Rockland County? Yes, in all three we do provide IOP. In Manhattan we provide the most, um, but in all three locations we're able re- willing and ready and able my staff are are on are on call. And you could cite at this point plenty of people in our community who've improved their lives because of it. Yeah, out of the 25 or so people in the last year, more than half have been from our community. And uh, in at least two cases, of those cases, that is, we, they were more intensive cases, and they, they would have ended up in a hospital. Right. Is the intake difficult? I know when I go for surgery, you know, it's hard, hard for me to recall every surgery I've had, you know, on my feet in the past. Is it, is it intensive the first couple hours when people have to really dig deep into their own history and, and you know, and, and try try to relate to, the, to, the, to your staff, you know, what it is that got them to this point? No, not at all. I mean, our, our intake's pretty non-invasive. We, we have a series of questionnaires that we ask. Uh, that people fill out on their own. In fact, you don't even—you're not even in, engaging with the clinician when you're filling out the questionnaire. Right. And then a series of standard questions, and then we determine eligibility and whether a person's a suitable candidate. And then we offer them their treatment options and go from there. Unbelievable. Uh, all the information for the intensive outpatient program, the IOP at the Center for Anxiety, eight 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 three seven seven four seven three. That's eight 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 three seven seven four seven three. Doctor David Rossmer and his staff. Uh, welcome you to uh, to take advantage of their services. You can email info at centerforanxiety.org and obviously more information if you go to the web at the centerforanxiety.org. You can see and read more about what they do. In terms of our listeners, the, uh, <coughs> the three locations we highlight, West 57th Street in Manhattan, Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, Route 59 up in Rockland County, and again, there is one up in Massachusetts in Belmont, Mass. as well. Dr. Ross Marin, anything else you'd like to add on this topic? No, I'm just grateful to be able to provide the service. I mean, it's, uh, I'll, I'll say this, that the hospital experience for many people is very deeply stigmatizing. Oh, yeah. um, sometimes you have, can you, I mean, you can imagine yep. being in a, a psychiatric hospital can be very, it can be challenging. Sure. Um, and if, you know, if somebody has to go, then, then you go. There's no question. And we have sent people to the hospital. But if we can prevent any number of individuals, especially from our community, from having to go through that, it's uh, it's a tremendous gift. Yeah, well worth it and uh, a big accomplishment. Uh, Kolakavo, thanks so much for joining us. A happy Purim to you, and I hope Adar is, in fact, uh, a very cheery month because you know what's around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Okay, have a great day. Dr. David Ross Marid, Center for Anxiety. Check it out online, centerforanxiety.org. Uh, the phone number one eight 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 three seven seven four seven three. Wednesday morning broadcast on this era of Rosh Chodesh at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. <coughs> Chaim David Burson with Geula Rock. Wednesday morning, Erevosh Chodesh. Oh, yeah. 63 days away from Israel's 70. Yom Ha'atzmut, the 70th birthday of the state of Israel. You'll want to make sure to be tuned in that week. I can tell you that much. A um, couple of things. First of all, I got a great, great uh, message from Shlomi Ash. <laughs> Shlaimi tells me that uh, Meira and Yoni Ash of Ramat Bey Chemesh Gimel, Meira and Yoni Ash of Ramat Bey Chemesh Gimel, brand new baby boy this morning. Now, of course, Shlaimi has to point out that it's Ash Wednesday, <laughs> but I'm sorry. I, I usually don't cite other religions' holidays, but in this case, I had no choice. <laughs> um, 
so the little guy joins big sister Michal, and um, we say Mazal Tov to the grandparents, of course. That's Yael and Shlaimi Ash. Anybody who sees them today, you make sure to give them a big, big Mazal Tov from all of us here at the JM in the AM. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know Shlaimi. Of, co- of course, he has a grandchild on Ash Wednesday, obviously. Uh, <laughs> can't get over that. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, we have a Mazel Tov wish. Nachum, could you please wish a Mazel Tov to Akiva and Elisheva Gold? Akiva and Elisheva made Aliyah today. They joined their siblings, Ora, Tamar, Avi, and Meirav, who made Aliyah all over the last 18 months. Wow. Akiva's in Shana Bet at Gush, going into Tzahal in August. Elisheva's at Bravinder's. We'll do Sherut Lumi next year. Unbelievable. Thank you, Hillel, for sending that note and kolakavot to you and your family. It's amazing. They'll be in Israel as the future of the Jewish people will be in the state of Israel. They will be in Israel. And that is a great piece of news. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The Nefesh Benefesh mega event, by the way, speaking of Aliyah, the Nefesh Benefesh mega event is March 11th. We'll be broadcasting from there. March 11th at John Jay College. March 11th. You want to make Aliyah? Be there. You'll get the answers to a lot of your questions. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Bite Size. Yoni Pollock with great music, and he'll feature Joanna Shepson's interview with Dotan Tamir, founder and CEO of Israel's Big Idea Tech Camps. Uh, Dotan Tamir with Joanna Shepson during Bite Size, hosted by Yoni Pollock between 9 and 11. Avrami will host the live lunch. That'll come up between 11 a.m. And 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget tonight, 7 o'clock, the Hour of Jewish Soul, Charlie Bernhout with amazing cantorial music at 7 p.m. Eastern Time tonight here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Charlie Bernhout with an Hour of Jewish Soul. Get ready to uh, check that out and enjoy. Let's go to the app for a moment, see if anybody's been checking in. Um, let's see here. Um... Yassi and Devora Leitner celebrating their engagement anniversary on Rosh Chodesh Adar. We are announcing it. And they want to hear uh, Yisro Williger's Mim Komchari. We'll try to do that between now and Friday, as she requested. Um, what else do we have here? People reporting the latest news of the day to us on the app. Uh, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. A unique and amazing opportunity to be in touch with us uh, during our broadcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, all you got to do is uh, go to the app, add a comment on the home screen. We see that during our live programming, and uh, we follow up on it as best as possible. 26 minutes after the hour with Simcha Liner. Kishe Adam Loy Metoido, Oi Shell is a mitzvah. A high miss him home, be cock as in Oh, 
I'm just a stone from your home. I'm Jerusalem stone. And I waited all this time. See you in this land of mine. And I waited through the ugliness and grime. See you in this land of mine. J.M. in the A.M. I'm Jerusalem Stone. Eighth day before that, David Gabe with Kihem of Shire Pinchas, volume number three. Shalshelis had Avinu, and Marakade was, of course, from Simcha Liner. J.M. in the A.M., good morning, all. It's Wednesday on this Erev Rosh Chodesh Adar. Thanks for joining us. 63 days away from Israel's 70. Yom Atzmut and the big 70th birthday of Israel's celebration. Achiezer dinner tomorrow night. That's happening at uh, the Sands in Atlantic Beach. Um, information, achiezer.org. In fact, we encourage you to get those reservations in. 
for the dinner ASAP. And again, that's uh, Achiezer.org, Achiezer.org. Brand new, Tzvi Silberstein is next. 17 minutes before the hour at JM and the AM. Just checking our NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and uh, iPhone. And um, I want to thank all those who are checking in this morning on the app. A big thank you from all of us here at JM and the AM.
Achenu Yisrael, Anachnu Machema, brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. The days go by, we live our lives, but how often do we remember someone up there is taking care and we are his children forever. The world is blind, we need to find the meaning that hides in the chaos. Heard on listener sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the Nachum Siegel Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Coming up, it's Bite Size, Yoni Pollock. He hosts um, Bite Size between 9 and 11 here at the Nachum Siegel Network. He'll feature an interview that Joanna Shepson has done with Dotan Tamir, founder and CEO at Israel's Big Idea Tech Camps. That's coming up as part of Bite Size. Avrami with the live lunch starts at 11 a.m. Eastern Time until 1 o'clock. Charlie Bernhardt tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern Time with an hour of uh, great cantorial music. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Start saying Yalavayavo tonight. Till tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.